Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles from a freshly, fully painted command center in Marietta, Georgia. That's right. If you're watching on YouTube, you've seen it with your own eyes. Yesterday, I just had the samples up. Today, I've got the real thing. Full-blown paint job. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, I think I'm at Max underscore Moody 73. You can see on my story the full studio setup I've had, but that's not why you're here. You are here because you like to hear about the Florida State Seminoles football team and other athletics every single day, five days a week, and Locked On Seminoles brings that to you. We are two Florida State alumni, but more importantly, we're fans. That debate was going all around Twitter today, Drake. I know you saw it, like, our alumni, less fans. Let me tell you all this, and this is going to be a bit of a, like, wow, Max is a douche, but it's important for context. My mother has had season tickets to the Florida State Seminoles since the 80s. She is at the height of her giving. She's in her 60s now. She doesn't do it anymore. I believe she was a platinum chief. Whatever the highest level of giving was, she's been at that. My dad, huge Florida State fan. Well, my stepdad that's married to my mom, but that's who I'm talking about when I say dad. Neither of them went to Florida State, and they have done more for the university than, like, my mom was on the board of the film school at one point, right? Like, you don't have to be an alumni to do great things. And if you cheer for the Florida State Seminoles, you're welcome at my table any day of the week. But if you cheer for Miami, I will hold it over your head that I went to Florida State and you didn't go to Miami because that's just how arguments work. We got a great show for y'all today. We are going to dive into listener questions. It looks like some are centered around Alex Atkins bumping up to OC, which is something we spoke about yesterday. And then we're going to keep with the holiday theme this week. We are going to do Festivus, Friday Festivus for the rest of us. We're going to do the airing of grievances and the celebration of strength. Drizzy, I feel like I've taken too much of the people's time and they want to get to the questions. So roll that video and let's do it. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. All right, folks. Welcome to Locked On Seminoles. We appreciate you being here. And more importantly, we appreciate the engagement. YouTube has really given us a better platform to engage with all of y'all. But don't make that, don't take that as if you're on the pod, we don't still love you. So if you're on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. We will or follow us. I apologize. We will pop to the top of your queue every single day. And if you're on YouTube, like the video, hit the subscribe button. I think it's actually down here and hit that bell in the top corner because that will turn on alerts and you will be notified when we go live, which we like to do like once a week or so. And we love getting questions from you then. And make sure you comment what you're thinking. We like to respond in writing, but we also are today going to respond in person. Drake, I I don't want to delay anymore. Um, Broderick, thanks for the questions. Yesterday, we went into his depth chart to pre-hundo. What are you guys talking about? The defense can't take a step forward. Dude, the portal is still wide open. There's still going to be guys available after spring. We don't know what the roster is going to look like by the start of the season. I just want to say, Dupree, very fair point. Guys, the reason I read that one first, because it's not really a question, but keep in mind, we do this show every single day, all throughout the year. So when Drake and I, or Dave and I, or Drake and Dave, or the three of us, talk about what we think of the team, we're going to talk about it in current context, right? We're not going to talk about, hey, we're, we're not going to speculate wildly. Now, Drake, I think, and I typed this out, I think yesterday, if you go back, 
we didn't say that it won't take a step forward. We said if they don't get someone in the portal or they don't find a way to money ball with two or three guys, the production of Jermaine Johnson, they will not take a step forward, right? Uh, no, I think he's referring to what I said like two days ago. I mean, like we did say yesterday, if he doesn't like, if we, if they aren't able to, you know, replicate the, reprodu- the production from a Jermaine Johnson or Keir Thomas where they're not going to take a step forward. I actually did say a few days ago that I am expecting this defense to take a little bit actually of a step back probably because of us losing those players right there, because I think you're not going to find either of those players actually in the transfer portal. So I think that was a legitimate question by him, but he could you know, prove me wrong. Right now, there's a really good defensive end out there right with name Jared Burse, who is actually someone that's between us and Tennessee. He's, he's an Albany transfer. If we land him, I can change my tune. But for right now, I don't see a player actually of that caliber coming in, you know, just from the outset, actually bringing the same sort of production. So to me... We'll see how it goes over the offseason. He's right about that. We got to wait to see how the portal shapes up. We're, we're waiting for bowl games to end up, spring practices as well. We won't we won't have the full roster until June or maybe July. So we're gonna do a wait and see. Yeah, and and but to that to that point, right? We absolutely do need to be in the portal going after edge rushers. Um, so if you know that being the larger point, I agree. Secondly, guys, I have two thoughts about the transfer portal, and one is it's a lot better than it used to be. Because I think it used to be if a kid was transferring, there was a very good reason. And it just, unless you were Oklahoma, it rarely worked out. Nowadays, I think it's a lot more like free agency. And I think with the COVID year, you'll see a lot of these 2020 commits saying, you know, or I'm sorry, 2021 commits that didn't get to visit their schools really before they committed saying, eh, it just wasn't the right fit for me. We've seen a massive coaching carousel. Kids don't vibe with a new coach, maybe. There are going to be never met them. Right, exactly. They never met so, them. There will be gems in the portal, and Dupree, you're absolutely right. But we're coming from like, hey, where is this? Also from D- Dupree, y'all sleeping on Azure Thomas. Disagree. Um, I've actually, I, but I wanted to bring that up because maybe we haven't said on the show, because I forget what we say on the show and what we say backstage. I'm fired up about that kid. Four-star athlete, Knightsville High School. I love players from the panhandle. Um, I think... For us, and Drake, you you would have more insight on this because you're more of the recruiting guy. I I I see Azure maybe becoming like a Corey Wren though. Like I don't really know where he fits into this roster, and that may just be ignorance of who he is as a player. So where where do you see him fitting into the roster? I mean, I think it's going to be like see Corey Wren to me. That's someone that we know. Like he had one talent come out of high school. And that is he's extremely fast. I think he actually holds the state record for Louisiana. Ricky Bobby, I want to go fast. Yeah, but Isaiah Thomas is a legitimately a top 100 prospect and number one, actually, I think, in his position, actually, in that region of Florida, and also, like, I think, top three or top four, actually, in the state as a whole. And so, like, you actually have film to back it up, his, his uh, talent at both safety and that corner because he's an extremely great athlete. And I look, you look at 247 Sports right now, I think that the perfect comp for him is Trayvon Diggs. And for those of you who don't know Trayvon Diggs, he – was a corner Alabama, second year in the pros right now with the Cowboys, and he leads the league in interceptions with 12. Sorry, with 11. So to me, that's definitely a kid that I wouldn't put in the Corey Wren spot. I might put him as kind of one of those unsung kind of gems, that we might, like, even though he's a little higher rated. I would honestly put him in the in between that Xavier Rhodes, LaMarcus Dorner kind of category, like in between Holy the middle of those two. So maybe like a, a P.J. Williams. That's high praise, man. Let me ask you this then, from what you're saying, we talked yesterday about Travis J not really developing how they wanted. Probably, now I don't know if there's any chance of him moving the offense, by the way. When I ask people that I know around the program, and I will, I will be fully transparent with y'all, I don't have any sources that are on the field coaches. 
Some people do. I'll fully admit that to you guys. So don't ever take what I'm saying as an on-the-field coach. I know people in the periphery. So none of them have really told me that Travis J is, like, going to switch over. I, I think that's kind of the media. We do this thing where we think something makes sense, and we say it, and then it enters our collective consciousness. So anyway, the point is, is this a guy where you could see him vying for that nickelback spot, though, with Travis J kind of being susceptible to maybe – you know, losing that spot as a second stringer there um, or going over to offense. Is that kind of where you see him fitting in? Yeah, pretty much. I think he's definitely going to see a lot of playing time next year. I think he's going to be, he's probably the, will be the unsung hero actually of the class. Now, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think he'll probably soften the blow of losing someone like a Travis Hunter and losing out someone like a Devon Mortimer. And to me, like Travis J, I'm in the full belief of people that I talk to that he's probably going to be going over to offense because primarily the balls, I, I don't think he has. It's really funny because he has all the talent in the world, but just there's something that's not clicking with him when it comes to defense, whether it be at safety position or at cornerback. But when we see him with the ball in his hands, actually when he caught it for punt returns and kick returns, he actually was able to move in really well in decent space and actually has really good hands. So that's someone that, listen, put him over to wide receiver, whoever's going to be the wide receiver's coach you know, coming into next year, whether it be Yak, whether it be Dugans, or whether it be the Austin Tucker kid that we heard the rumors about over on Twitter, that's someone that can, we can definitely you know give a change to because the last time we had a player of that caliber and that talent switch from you know offense and defense or respectively was Erman Lane and Urban Lane was a pretty damn good safety actually which is really surprising because he was it's a five star receiver clips that like will always resonate in my head because I was at the game because I went to pretty much all the games when I was in college even away games except maybe like two or three and I just I'll never forget the clip of it wasn't Gene Deckerhoff it was it was like a video just and a huge hit by Erman Lane and the guy catches up and goes wait is that Erman Lane the wide receiver back there and like because it was kind of kept under wraps, he'd be switching. But anyway, we have a few more good questions I want to get to. But anything roster related, you got to find the right spot for the guy, right? So this staff is going to need to have a lot of visibility over what is going on within the program. And if you're running a business, you also have to have a lot of visibility of what's going on in your business. And the company that can help you do that is NetSuite by Oracle. They are one of the top cloud financial systems to power your growth. They will give you visibility and control over your financials, your inventory, your HR, your planning, your budgeting, and more all in one place. You can automate processes and you can close your books in no time while staying ahead of your competition. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com locked. So go to netsuite.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash locked. All right, so we got a couple more. We got James Ballard. It looks like two questions on yesterday's video. First is a question, then a comment. James asks about a transfer QB coming here to compete. Says, what am I missing? And then he says, calling plays and coaching the OL O-line has been done, but it's unusual. So, James, yesterday we spoke about um, what we want to see in development from Jordan Travis. I think Drake and I are both of the, in the camp of they will bring in a transfer QB. I would be very surprised if they don't at this point. I, I just think they're waiting for the right guy. Because this is my take, Drake. I'll let you chime in in a moment. I really don't think you're bringing in a guy to compete. I think you're bringing in a guy for depth. You want Jordan Travis to be preparing for next season, not preparing for a QB competition, in my opinion. That doesn't mean I don't think having another guy in the room will push him, because even if he's preparing for the season, he knows, hey, 
if you if you look like trash, we're not going to start you because we have someone else. So there will be inherent competition. But I think more importantly, you need a guy that will accept, hey, you're coming to Florida State, but your main role is going to be if Jordan Travis gets hurt, which has happened every year he's played football, you need to be next man up. And then after he leaves, you're going to have the opportunity to compete for a starting role. And that's not the easiest thing to find with a transfer because what's the main reason quarterbacks especially transfer? Lack of playing time. You don't see many guys transferring going, oh, I want to be a second string guy. And I don't think Mike Norvell wants to put his quarterback room in a situation where he maybe isn't fully transparent with a kid. And then you have a kid who, when he doesn't get the starting nod, is super negative around the locker room and brings the QB room down. But yes, I do think we're going to need to bring in a transfer QB because, brother, you watch the, uh, you guys all watch the Florida game. I mean, this offense is a top 25 offense, in my opinion, with Jordan Travis. It is a bottom 15 offense under Tate Rodemaker. And A.J. Duffy, very talented. But I don't genuinely believe A.J. Duffy is a day one power five collegiate starter because very few kids are coming out of high school. Even Jameis Winston took a red shirt. Yeah, uh, that's where I disagree with the QB. I wanted to bring, I mean, as as I'm wearing the fourth and 14, you know, hoodies, you know, for shout out for Jordan Travis with that. Folks get him online right now. Um, he's not a sponsor, but I legitimately think that Norvell needs to go out and get a transfer QB. That's because I think Jordan does his best when someone's there to push him and he kind of knows his seat's kind of a little bit on fire. We kind of knew that we, a lot of the media was like crowning Mackenzie Mill when he came in and quite honestly, it pushed Jordan Travis to be a better passer and a better QB. And you can tell, and you also saw that throughout the year that when he did get those like kind of like those small little ailments that sometimes would bench other, other QBs. He pushed through those, through those, and you heard in one of his press conferences that, like, hey, you know, I'm hurt, but I have to be out there. I have to, you know, perform for my team, and that's something that we haven't hadn't heard from Jordan in the past. And to me, we need a transfer QB that is legitimately actually going to push him for a starting role. Now, I'm, I'm not saying we should go and want out and got, you know, a Max Johnson or a Jack Miller or any of those, but I think that there's legitimately options out there that we can grab that we can legitimately have a a solid QB competition. But we know that Jordan is the one that's leading out there. And I know you're afraid that he's going to be, you know, because if you're being, if you're being vied for your starting spot, you might do a little more. You won't be as aggressive, you a little more conservative stuff that you're good at. But I don't think Jordan is meant. I think Jordan is mentally tougher than that. Actually, he can be able to, you know, go out of his comfort zone, like because he actually has shown a vast improvement. And also, that's why we hired Tony Tokars from within, because he has been working with Jordan for the past year and a half. So he's going to be comfortable with him leading the offense. But this also points back to Mike Norvell and my personal opinion. Up the QB room with Chubby Purdy, you know, leaving out and the, how that entire debacle went by. I wouldn't be surprised right now if Chubby Purdy right now is talking to Mike to come back and Mike is kind of, you know, laying us that, you know, was a belly up, submissive, submissive stance right there to hopefully bring him back. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to get into that. We don't have time today. I don't understand the Chubby Purdy situation. Uh, I, if it was about him not starting over Milton, maybe he, look, maybe he was way behind. We're, I'm not the head coach of Florida State. So if Norvell, Dillingham, and Tokars, all agreed that Milton should start that game. That was probably our best opportunity to win. I don't know. I I, I don't want to get into it. The O-line thing is interesting, um, James, because that's been discussed quite a bit. I, I said this in my written reply, and I thought about it more today. I don't think Alex Atkins is going to be calling plays. However, it's important to think about how a college team is run, and there are really three stages to play calling, right? Number one is your game plan. So they have the the big play sheet. You guys see it, the huge, I mean, they're this, they're, you can't even see it on screen. They're this big now, 
right? Yay by yay. And what those are is those are situational play calls. So you may have on the front uh, very specific things, right, for a scripted drive. So first play from scrimmage, second play from scrimmage, third play from scrimmage. But it gets very situational. It'll get And it gets very granular depending on who you are. If you look at Mike Norvell's play cards, his probably gets extremely granular. And it's looking at, okay, where's the field position? What's the down and distance? What's the score? Here's the group of plays we're going to run. So it's not like in Madden where he has the whole playbook open at any given time. So do I think Alex Atkins will... So that's... The, or sorry, let me back up. So that's step one. Step two is radioing in the play. You can't radio, but calling in the play, blah, blah, blah. Step three is the adjustments. That's watching what's happening, looking down your play sheet and going, okay, this is kind of the theme of our third and three plays. What are they doing to us in those situations that maybe we need to alter what we're calling on third and three? What adjustments do we need to make in the routes, right? Are we seeing a lot of bracket coverage when we thought we were going to see a lot of zone? Well, that's going to change the way we run the routes in our mesh concept, right? We're not just going to run it just like we would against a zone, but we can't totally throw that concept out for this game because we've already game planned for it. So across those three stages, I think you have Atkins at stage one heavily involved. So he's going to be the guy with Norvell helping get him down to which two or three plays in which situations does Norvell select from. So to me, that is kind of, a, in, a, in a way, calling plays. Step two, getting the play from the sidelines, choosing which of those plays in each situation, that's Mike Norvell. But that's been Mike Norvell. During the game, Atkins is going to be very focused on not the O-line, but the run game. So I imagine his, his, his uh, responsibilities will expand from right now it's the O-line to receivers run blocking, the motions in the backfield, and what is that doing to the box, right? Like, are we getting the linebackers to kick out against motion so that way we can set up the run plays we want, things like that. And then he'll work in conjunction with Tokars, the quarterback coach. Hopefully it's not Ron Dugans, but whoever the wide receiver coach is who are going to be doing that for the secondary and what the quarterback's doing respectively and they'll all be feeding that into Mike Norvell to make adjustments. Yeah, I mean, we all know that Mike Norvell is the main primary play caller. I mean, we saw at the beginning of the year where report, reportedly Dillingham was the one doing all the play calling. You know, we see now how he's gone. Atkins was the run game coordinator and the OC actually over at Charlotte before he left, and he was a damn good run coordinator for that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he helped out immensely, actually, these past two years with our run game. So... So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually if he is the primary like primary pick all with runs. I do think he actually legitimately knows what to do with where the linemen are supposed to go with their feet, where they're supposed to push up, as well as you know helping you know Yak. Even though I think Yak might be going to the wide receiver spot, and then we'll replace you know the running back spot with maybe with somebody internally, or hopefully we'll grab somebody on the outside. I know Jawan Sider's looking for a new job. I would love for her to bring him down to Penn State, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go there. But I primarily do think that he's going to have a lot more hands-on with the running backs as a whole because that's what we saw with Dillingham with the QBs. Because you know, you still see Dillingham right now tweeting out to Jordan Travis how, how he's not a QB. That was the kind of you know the stigma that was attached to Jordan Travis. At the end I of the love year. that by the way. I love so. that Dillingham is still like, look, say what you want. The guy legitimately waited on an offer to announce to try to help keep this class together, and he still actively hypes up Jordan Travis and all the guys. Uh, Kenny Dillingham's a good dude in my book, and you will never hear a bad word about him from me. Um, so anyway, but can I, sorry, I like to, y'all know, I like to break things down to analogies. The best way I can put it is, is this, I'm going to use Madden again. You hit ask Madden, you get three plays. I think Alex Atkins will have a very, very heavy hand in which plays are going to be those three plays. But I think ultimately it's Norvell's decision. However, 
even with a play calling OC, a lot of times in crunch time, the head coach still becomes the decider of that. So it's not like, I guess what I'm getting at Drake is, is there's, I don't see a weakness. I see a weakness on the recruiting trail for reasons I mentioned yesterday. Although I think he's going to be a great recruiter. It's just, that is a negative people will use against him, but I don't see you legitimately think that. Well, they'll use it, right? Like they'll go into a room and they'll say, Hey, like how many O-line coaches are, are offensive coordinators? You're a quarterback. Like your offensive coordinator should be a quarterback, blah, blah. It, it doesn't mean it's going to work. It's just what they're going to use. That's that'll be the arrow in their quiver. I don't know if it works. Might not. It might. See, I've never heard that. So that's why that's why I'm kind of giving the reaction. I've never heard like that as being negative recruit that tool. Well, yeah. I mean, it's all you're going to negatively. That's all they do is you. You basically go in and when a kid has his. No, like, no, 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 no. no. I know. Ne- no, I know that people use negative recruiting. I'm, I'm saying that premise you just used. Well, that's what I was going to finish. Is you basically your job is to bash the resume of their position coach and their coordinator. No, like, no, I know. Is, I, no, no, no. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, that's the only knock on his resume. What else are you going to say? Hey, he was an amazing coach at Charlotte. Did an awesome job. Got a kid from yeah. drafted. It was a one-star recruit. Oh, and he's done great. No, that, that's literally the only thing that they're going to be able to say is like, he'll be so focused on the O-line, you're not going to develop as a skill player because, you know, look at Rod Dugans. He sucks. And your offensive coordinator will be busy with the busiest position on the offense. So, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, that is to say, I don't think the play calling suffers under Alex Atkins. I, I don't think, I think he can be on the field. I, I think it's going to be just fine. Um, Mike Myrick, happy new year to you too, man. I would love to see us win eight to nine games. Uh, Nicholas Stewart, who's ram- rumored to transfer out. Here's the thing, guys. We allude to things. We hint at things. Um, but part of being good at our job is getting ahead of the eight ball, is talking to people around the program who tell us things that, they may may or may not want out there publicly. And we have a responsibility there. We only get to publicize things explicitly when our sources tell us, hey, yeah, you can go ahead and start. You don't have to be as metaphorical or hinting at, you can just go ahead and say that kid's probably going to leave. But until then, we're not going to just like throw out a list of players that we're hearing. But do know, my guess is three to five. Drake, I don't know what your number is. Some people think the number is more like seven to nine. Kids are still going to transfer out um, once teams are done with their bowl game and they can figure out where their landing spot's going to be. Yeah, I think seven and nine with the total because they already actually are transferred out, so maybe another two to three. But yeah, I'm not I'm not in the business of naming kids to put in the personal business out there until their name's actually in the portal. I worked a lot. I, as you know, I did compliance over at Hopkins. I am at times a little more naive when it comes to you know, handling college student athletes, but I'm not going to be publishing the kids' personal business out there. It's not my business at all. Uh, I cover the team. I enjoy doing that, but I'm not going to be doing that, you know, I just don't think it's uh, a good idea to put names out there. But the so. minute they hit the portal, we will break it down. We'll let you guys know. Uh, yeah, what's exactly. Going on. That's let's, get to, let's get to Festivus, man. Before I do that, though, folks, it's Friday. It's the playoffs. You need a snack. And if you, need, if you don't have this already in your locker, cubby, pantry, whatever you put your snacks in, you need to go to builtbar.com and get some built bars. They're delicious, they're nutritious. It tastes like a candy bar and it hits like a protein bar. 17 to 19 grams of protein, depending on the bar, five grams of carbs, five grams of sugar. You can't go wrong with Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. And just as a kicker, they even give you a 15% off promo code with Lock15. That's a steal. I'd pay more than full price. They're amazing. You guys will love them. If you're not already on hashtag team Built Bar, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Lock15 at checkout. Buy them now. Get them in a few days. Thank me later. All right, man. Last thing before we get out of here, I, I heard someone else talking about this. I think 
I don't know what podcast it was on. I don't even know if it was a sports podcast, but they just mentioned Festivus, and I was like, that'd be a good theme for our show. Uh, I've never celebrated Festivus, but apparently you air grievances and you celebrate strengths. So I would like to keep it to one each, and I would like you to go first. I'd like you to just air a general grievance you have with the team, with a specific person. Let's stay away from players because no one needs a kick in the mouth from locked on Seminoles randomly, you know, like Dane cook in the back of the party at waiting. Like what the hell did I ever do to you, man? So let's keep it a little more general, but coaches are fair game. So what grievance would you like to air Drizzy? Oh, Mike, Michael Kelly Norvell. Listen, um, is that his his middle name? That's his middle name is Michael Kelly Norvell. Um, my issue with this man is that we went through to do something with Willie, right? And now we have to climb. And at this point now, I know we can see incremental improvement when it goes to advanced metrics, whether it be, you know, your little break, your breakdown with, you know, FEI, F plus, SME plus. I know Brandon, Brandon does a very good job with the graphs, also all over with 247 on Twitter. Like, I know the improvements are there. But I'm in the camp where if you have to dig so deep for all, like, a lot of these numbers, it's really hard to kind of like defend that platform. My personal opinion, it should be a little more surface level. It shouldn't be that hard to kind of prove your point. I'm a lawyer. Trust me, I know you get little, you get, you dig a little deeper into the finer details when you try to make an argument. I understand that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Which would you rather have in year two? We just finished year two. Pretend we're finishing year two. I uh, know it's year one because we had year zero the year before. But let's just pretend, right? Like, let's just mm-hmm. sake of argument. Where we are now with Norbell, would you rather it be the wins aren't there, but we are seeing the statistical improvement? Or would you rather have it be the stats aren't great, but the dude found a way to win 10 games and we're in a New Year's Six Bowl? I'd rather have the latter, if we're being completely honest here. Because right now, like, I can see, I mean, I understand the improvement, but then there's got to be something. We're going to still have an improvement if we win 10 games. There's still going to be kind of like, you know, there's actually something to sell there. And also, we we hear a lot of complaints actually right now how the roster isn't sort of talented. And we see, you know, adjusting that processing out of a lot of kids from the year before and also this year as well. And then he's not refilling the talent pool at all, actually, with recruits or with some transfer portal kids out. We don't know that yet. When this, that season is kind of that class isn't done until probably until June, maybe even July. Yeah. But I'm at the point now where I need to go from do something to please just show me something because that's totally fair, dude. That, that's really how do. that's legitimately how I feel. Because I, like I said yesterday, my resolution is to not be so tied emotionally to a damn <laughs> sports team. Because I'm already a Marlins fan. It's already taken me up years of my life. I'm also a Panthers fan. All I had was FSU football to give me any sort of happiness. Like, listen to your logic. My New Year's resolution is to not have my happiness tied to their performance. So I'm going to need you guys to get better to make me happier. That way I don't have to worry about it. Exactly. (laughs) That's not not fulfilling your resolution. It's just like... No, because yes, st- all right, whatever. It's just I'm gonna being, air- it's, it's just being pushed to back to the side. But yeah, I just I just need hashtag some- show me something. Yeah, I did. exactly. Hashtag did. show me something. That's all it is. That's all it is. And I'm gonna celebrate a strength because that was a good grievance. Let me celebrate a strength for us. I will be honest with all of you. This is me opening up to you. It's our last show of 2021, and I kind of always thought the culture thing was a crock. Like. Under Willie, yeah, it sucked. Under Jimbo, it got kind of bad. But, like, I always thought it was kind of dumb. Like, flip the culture, whatever. I don't care what the culture is. Like, win me games. Like, I was there at 2014. I was in standard. Like, I saw the players there the night before games partying and stuff. I get it. And we were still winning, right? But then I've seen the culture actually change. I saw guys like Jermaine Johnson. And I think sometimes you need to see, like, seeing what it can be shows you how bad it really was. So 
I'm actually really impressed with what they've done to the culture. And that's not a media talking point. That's not me as a talking head saying, oh, the culture. I've legitimately seen it change. And I've gone from, I'll say it needs to change, but in my mind, I don't think culture is a real thing, like matters, to I think it does matter. And I think seeing like how this team played this year, and I was the first to say it, probably because I was so just impressed, they never quit. And I genuinely believe if you don't quit at something, how the hell do you think we got here? I mean, like 10 of you guys listened to us a year and a half ago when we published this thing, and we just kept at it for long enough, and eventually we learned more. Our product got better. We got to know some of y'all, and now we're setting records almost on a weekly basis, and it's the same with the team. If the team plays hard every game, that's how you beat Syracuse because a Willie team gives up against that Syracuse team and doesn't have that last Jordan Travis play and doesn't win that game. I don't want to say a Willie. I don't want to attack a Willie team. I'm sorry. Let me not. Let me back up. A team that doesn't have a good culture doesn't beat that Miami team because on 4th and 14, they phone it in, whatever. They don't keep pushing. Uh, they don't make that comeback against Louisville, which it didn't work out for them. But that effort, we saw how that carried over to the back half of the season. So I, I, that's my celebration of strength is a new culture for a new year. It's been rebuilt, and I'm excited to see what it does. I'm excited to see where the team goes. 2022 could be our year, or we could very quickly start talking about 2023, but I'm excited. It's the year I'm going to turn 30. It's the year Drake's going to turn 29. It's the year that babies will be born. Marriages will begin. People will be happy. Some people might be sad, but I hope you're not. If you're sad, let me know. Try to help you out. And hopefully it's a great year for the Knowles. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful year of Locked On Seminoles. Max is only six months older than me, folks. He's not that much older than me. <laughs> Makes it sound like he's like a thousand years old. No, it's just the year I turn 30, the year you turn 29. It's six months older. Actually, it's five. It's five. Right. No, it's seven. No, it's seven. Just end the damn episode.